This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to More Than Amused podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and others on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hi, welcome back to episode two of More Than Amuse. I'm Sadie. I'm Stani. So today we're going to just dive right into learning about awesome women artists from the past. Stani has done her research and I should give a little bit of a precursor that like we are not historians and we're not pretending to be historians, but we we are going to do our research and we're going to do our best to provide very accurate knowledge, but also, we are willing to be corrected if we are wrong. So <laughs> definitely. I actually, before we dive in, I wanted to ask you, I saw your tweet about you getting your first gig as a session singer. I want to hear about this. Oh, yes. Okay. So there's these like websites that I became a member of in the last like two weeks of um, pretty much you just like sign up for it and say, hey, I'm a singer, you know, which I am. Mm-hmm. And um and essentially, like, you just create a profile, and then if there's people who are looking for a singer, they can go onto your profile and then request to hire you for something. So I got a message from somebody a couple of days ago, and they were like, hey. Well, it's kind of, apparently they're, like, creating music for a Japanese rom-com that's going to come out next year. Cool. And they need someone to sing over the vocals of, like, a two-minute song that'll probably be in the movie. And I was like, sweet, okay, I will be in some cheesy Japanese rom-com. That's so cool, though. I know. I don't know if it'll, like, actually happen, but I'm stoked that this is the first time anyone's paid me to sing for something, so. Yeah, that's still really awesome. And then you're like, you'll be in a movie. That's cool. Hopefully. I know. I'll be in some Japanese rom-com one day. I'll be like, that's that's my voice, singing in the underlayers of the movie. No, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited. How cool. No, I'm glad I asked. I wanted to know about that. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Okay. This is a lot of info, but I'm really excited. Um, if you remember from last week, this is the artist that kind of inspired this whole project. So very thrilled to be talking about her. The way we're going to kind of do this, we're going to switch off. And at least once a month, I'll cover an artist that I want to talk about. And then um, Sadie will cover one that she wants to talk about. So I'm like, I spearheaded the research for this. But to start it all off, I wanted to introduce like a little bit of a segment called State of the Arts. And it's basically kind of gonna be a little bit of a background on the time period that that artist was in and then kind of what it was like to be a female and a female artist during that time period. And when I say artist, I mean like all of the arts. I feel like I'm using that term very like liberally but yes all of them so to start that off we're talking about artemisia 
Gentileschi, I think is how they said it. It's Italian. I'm probably going to say it wrong more. There's a lot of Italian names in this story. I am not Italian, so I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> but she was during the Baroque period, which is like around the 17th, 18th century in um, Italy is where she was. And that's like right after the Renaissance, which I feel like gives a little bit more context to everybody. So right after like Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, it was kind of right after that awakening and like beginning of all of that. During the 17th and 18th century, um, it was kind of a turning point for women, but like not a lot, obviously. It was just a little bit more than they had been given before. So they were still kind of required to take on the household role. So like managing servants if they were really wealthy or like raising and educating their children and then cooking, all of those other things. And another part that kind of plays into this is um, mortality rates for children were a major issue during that time period, just to like, they didn't have modern medicine. <laughs> so most mothers had up to like eight children and very often only like one or two of them would make it to adulthood. So women spent a lot of their lives being pregnant and having kids <laughs> and hopefully like surviving that as well because it wasn't the safest time period to have kids. 12 to 13% of children would die within the first years of their lives and then it continued on. So very few people made it. And I think the life expectancy for people in general was only like 50 years old. So that kind of played into that. And then um, the patriarchy was obviously very prominent, <laughs> which yeah. it has been throughout all of history, but the, they made the decisions on behalf of the family. It was the owner of all the property, kind of handled the finances, and children were kind of taught that as well. So women could not vote, own land, go to a university, earn equal wages, enter many professions, and they couldn't even report serious cases of domestic abuse. It's like their husband could hurt them and they wouldn't be able to do anything about it i i was just like thinking like eight children i'm just like realizing how much of their life is spent pregnant then like that's like what six years of being pregnant in total i know like so much of their time and then to only have like one or two kids actually like live yeah that's like so much effort and then like your children don't even make it that long but Something that was a little different about this time period is that women could actually have jobs, which was kind of a new thing. And so women could work. They just couldn't always work the same way that men could. Mm. And kind of an example of this was like, especially like in the arts. So in Italy, male artists were crowned with the term virtuoso, which I'm sure we've heard a lot. It means Mm -hmm. mortal god. And women weren't really ever given any recognition or, like, admiration for what they did. And the painter's brush was considered more manly. And, of course, like, women were referred to as the passive sex. So it was believed that they wouldn't be able to paint the same way that men could because of their, like, inherent femininity. But there were quite a few female artists that came from this time period that were able to kind of surpass a lot of those problems. 
and it was mainly due to like artistic families. So Artemisia is an example of this that we'll talk about later, but like women who were trained by their fathers who were artists were able to kind of break a lot of those barriers or if they were very wealthy. If their family was wealthy, then the arts were considered a good like pastime. So then they were able to kind of pursue that and not have to deal with a lot of the same barriers. But if you were poor and didn't have an artistic father, there was no way you could have been an artist. So it was very rare for women to actually like pursue a career within the arts, especially because like they couldn't train from nude models. <laughs> Oh, because that was considered like inappropriate um, and nude models at that time were always male, which is something I didn't know huh. um, because obviously female purity and stuff was like very important. Yeah. So they didn't really allow female nudes, but that kind of gave the women an advantage because they could paint female nudes more accurately than any men at that time could because they could work from their own body and they were very familiar with the female body. So even though they couldn't paint nude men, they were able to paint nude women really well. <laughs> so that kind of like allowed it to open up the doors a little bit more. And there's quite a few women that are like still seen as like important from those time period. A few from like the Flemish and Dutch groups in the north, and then um, a few from Italy. And Artemisia is one of those. So it was kind of a very interesting time period where like a lot of things were opening the doors, but like they still obviously had a lot of barriers against them too. So that's kind of like the context that I have for all of this before we dive into her. And then obviously more of the time period will kind of come to light as we talk about her story. Before we begin the story today, we do just want to give a trigger warning as this story does involve sexual assault, including rape, as well as torture within a criminal justice system. Um, if you do want to skip that part, you can just skip ahead to our break. That's about 30 to 35 minutes in. Um, and after that, we no longer discuss the details of that trial. Okay, um, cool. Well, I guess we'll go into her life now. Um, Artemisia Gentowski was born in July of 1593, so quite a bit of time ago. And she was born in Italy and is considered to be a Baroque painter. And um, her major style that she's like known for is Caravaggio, which I meant to look up the exact definition of. I like know loosely based on my art education. Okay, so it's a focus on realism and then an intense focus on <laughs> so many art terms, chiaroscuro, which I may be saying wrong, but it basically means like the, it's a focus on like light and dark and shadows, which I'll show you some paintings and then I'll cool. post them on the Instagram, but you'll be able to see, like she's really, really good at like dramatic lighting and the shadows and like source of light and darkness. It's really pretty. So she was really known for, well known for that. And then she was also known for Depicting the female figure with great naturalism, which makes sense because she was able to paint from her experiences. And then also like her skill in handling color for dimension and drama. And her coloring is phenomenal, like <laughs> in comparison to a lot of artists at that time, like the way that she paints with colors is just beautifully done. 
she was the first woman to become a member of the Academy of Art and Drawing in Florence, which is like a huge thing. And she also had an international clientele, which was like unheard of for women at her time. And so nowadays she's regarded as one of the most progressive and expressive painters of her generation, which I think is definitely owed to her. So she was a very, very important artist to her time period. So like I mentioned before, she was the eldest child of a painter at that time named Orazio Gentowski. And he was moderately successful. Um, he's known mainly for being a student and friend of Michelangelo, who we all know and love. So he worked a lot with Michelangelo, but like was moderately successful. I will say that like I think his daughter has definitely surpassed him in fame. But yeah, he was moderately well known at that time. And she was introduced to painting in her father's workshop and actually showed a lot more talent than her brothers, who he was also trying to teach to paint. And so that kind of led him to focusing more on her. Um, at the time, she wasn't taught to read and write due to being a female, but she learned drawing, how to mix color, and how to paint. And by the time she was like 16 or 17 years old, her father boasted of her talents, claiming that in the profession of painting, which she had practiced for three years, she had no peer. So he was basically saying she was better than anyone else at her age. Yeah. So she was very well like, educated within the arts and was very talented from a very young age. And even though her father kind of influenced a lot of her work, obviously, because she learned from him, her paintings are considered more naturalistic or his are more idealized. So basically, she painted like more realistic mm. versions of people, whereas his were still a little bit more abstract. So that's a little bit about her early life. And then kind of what is tied to her a lot is her rape trial that was like a very, it's a crazy story. It makes me really sad. And for a long time, the trial of her rape like long overshadowed her achievements as an artist. So she wasn't as well known as an artist as she was because of her rape trial. Um, I feel like it's important to talk about it because of how much I think it influenced her work. And it also shows like the trials of a woman during that time period and a female artist. And like, but obviously it's really sad. So her dad was working with this man named Agostino Tassi to decorate some vaults in Rome. And after working on that project, he hired the painter to tutor his daughter privately in the arts. And I feel like there's a lot of reasons why he did this, but probably mainly just because he wanted to expand her education. And during this time period is when her tutor, Tassie, raped her, and she was 18 years old. So I had to dig through a lot of stuff. They actually have the court documents from the trial. And so I was able to read some like excerpts from that. The situation is really sad. Artemisia's mother died when she was 12, and so she was kind of surrounded mainly by men her entire life. So when she was 17, her father rented like their upstairs apartment of their home to like a female tenant named Tuzia. And he was like hoping that that would help because she had so many male influences. He wanted like a female nearby. And they were actually like close friends. But part of the reason this rape happened was because of Tuzia. She actually allowed um, Agostina Tossi and then another man who will bring up 
to accompany her in her home on multiple occasions, which was not appropriate. <laughs> and she like would let them come and see Artemisia when her father wasn't there. And actually, like it came out that the day of the rape, um, Artemisia cried for help, and Tuzia ignored her. So she was like calling out for Tuzia, and she completely ignored her, and then pretended she didn't know oh. anything that had happened. Oh, that makes me feel sick. Yeah, like a huge betrayal by an older woman who she considered a friend. And I mean, like she was 18, so a little bit older, but still like a child. And this older woman just completely ignored her and even like assisted in making this happen. And she even testified in the trial against Artemisia. But later in the trial, she mentioned that um, she was one of the sole witnesses against her. Against her? Mm-hmm. And said that she... Oh, it comes up later. But basically, she, like, brought up um, the whole thing and said that, like, it was Artemisia's fault and that she would, like, come on to her tutor and stuff and was, like, very flirtatious with him. Yeah, so, so much betrayal in that friendship and very sad. And then uh, the trial, they talked about the fact that he went up to her room as an ungreeted guest on that day and found her painting and raped her. And she testified in court and said, when we were in front of the bedroom door, he pushed me in and locked the door, then threw me on the edge of the bed, pushing me with a hand on my breast. He put a knee between my thighs to prevent me from closing them. I tried to scream as best I could. I scratched his face and pulled his hair. When I saw myself free, I went to the table drawer and took a knife and moved towards him, saying, I'd like to kill you with this knife because you've dishonored me. I wounded him slightly on the chest, and some blood came out, only a little since I barely touched him with the point of the knife. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just, like, horrible, horrible. She also recounted that he mentioned after the rape that he was surprised that she was a virgin and had promised to marry her in order to restore her honor. Uh, Which was the only way that she could have, like, salvaged this without being considered, like, tarnished, per se. Um, And so she actually continued a sexual relationship with him on this premise for a couple of months afterward, hoping that, like, her honor would be restored and that her future would be secured. Because there was no other way, according to societal standards, for her to, like, make it out of this. Oh, my gosh. So it's, like... I like, I can't say it, it like makes me so sick. So it's just like the only way would be like to continue and get married to her rapist because because of his choices and his terrible thing, her honor was. Yeah. Like she was at fault because of something that he did that she didn't want any part of. They're just horrible, horrible, horrible. It's also brought up that like another man, the one who would accompany them a lot of the times when her father wasn't there, his name was Cosimo Corley, I think. He had tried um, before to rape Artemisia and failed and had actually stolen one of her paintings. And he was so mad at being like sexually rejected by her that he helped this other man plan his visits to her house in accordance with her father's absence so that he could like get back at her. So he like helped her tutor plan his rape in order to like get revenge on the fact that like she didn't want to have sex with him. 
Oh. Just like a horrible story. I just like don't have anything to add to that. But just like make terrible noises and disgust just because. Uh... Just horrible, horrible. Um, obviously, this man went back on his promise to marry her. Um, nine months after the rape, um, he basically was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to marry you. And so her dad was then able to press charges against him for the rape. So this is kind of like a messed up thing in history, but because Artemisia was her father's daughter at that time, she was considered her father's property. And by raping her and like taking her virginity, Tossi had like ruined her father's property, if that makes sense. It's like a two, like super messed up way to look at it. And I don't think a person should ever be considered property. But according to the law, if she wouldn't have been a virgin before he raped her, they wouldn't have been able to press charges and take him to court. And what's crazy to me, too, is that they only took him to court because he said he wasn't going to marry her. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so crazy that, like, a solution to this was them getting married. And then only then was her father like, okay, well, now we're going to press charges because you've ruined this when it's like, no, like, no, you should have pressed charges like then. Yeah. But like the rape wasn't the actual crime. It was the taking of her virginity that was considered the actual crime. So like rape apparently wasn't a crime. Um, it was just like taking a virginity was a crime. It's oh my. <laughs> so messed up, obviously. Um, he also stole a painting from the household as well. That, so theft as well was involved. Just, oh, man. Okay, anyway, the trial actually made the news at that time. It was like a lot. It had a lot of publicity. And it lasted for seven months. Hmm. And this was in 1612. But during that trial, they found out that, like, Tossie's wife, who had been missing, so the rapist, his wife had been missing for quite some time, and it was assumed that he had murdered her. But they later found her alive, so he was married, which meant he would have been able to marry Artemisia in the first place, because he was married. And then he had also engaged in adultery with his sister-in-law. And that's not confirmed whether or not that was rape or, like, consensual, It could have been either, but obviously this guy was, like, not a good guy, and he had also planned to steal some of her father's paintings as well, so it's believed that he stole one, and it was believed that he planned to steal more, so just... Just a terrible human being. He was also a convicted rapist, so he had previously spent time in jail, and, oh yeah, and they thought that he had hired bandits to kill his wife, but they weren't sure. Also, it's so sad. Artemisia didn't know that he was married until the middle of the trial. So she found out like halfway through that this promise he had made was like completely nothing. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, this is another like little history lesson thing. I took like a criminal law, criminal justice class over the summer as like a general ed requirement. And one thing that it brought up is that a lot of the times when people were tortured back in the days in court, it was because peasants or like more uneducated people weren't believed to be able to tell the truth unless they were being tortured so they would like believe an educated noble person but like if you were less educated they thought that the only way that you could tell the truth was if you were being tortured what ah (laughs) 
Yeah, which is so messed up and obviously why we don't do it anymore because um, it's false. But this definitely shows up in here. Um, she was tortured with thumb screws. Wait, the artist, like Artemisia was. And it was with the intention of verifying her testimony. So they like, they tied her hands down and then used these thumb screws. And it's originally, it's a tool used for like carpenting and carpentry on wood. So it's kind of like a clamp. I'll have to post a picture. So they like put her thumbs in there and then they slowly like tighten <gasps> the top. And so it crushes your fingers under like this steel or iron, whatever it's made out of, like bar thing. And they just like slowly do that. It did injure her hands. And as her being a painter, like she's an artist. Yes. Like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine anything worse. Because, like, yeah, her hands are, like, what, how she accomplishes her work. And then they're using this to, like, torture her. And she was asked repeatedly, so, like, over and over again while they're doing this, if he had raped her. And she continuously responded, like, it is true, it is true, it is true. So horrible that they tortured her. So here's this girl. She's, like, barely 18 years old. She's been raped by her art tutor, who then promises to marry her, finds out that that's not true. He, like, steals some of her artwork in the process, and then when they're finally in court, they're torturing her hands because they don't believe her completely. Just a horrible situation. And then, at the turn of the trial, her rapist, Tossie, um, tried to, like, slur her character in order to, like, get away with it. Um, it actually said that his testimony was so blatantly false and contradictory that the judge stopped him multiple times throughout and told him to stop lying. So the judge was like, stop lying, you're on the stand, like over and over again, because he knew that he wasn't telling the truth. And, and the crazy thing is, too, is like, even like with his history, which I guess, like you said, didn't really come out until the middle mm -hmm. of the trial or like with him just like being that way. Like, obviously, I don't know, like the order that this all happened, but like. Like, it's so obvious that this person did this, but yet she still mm -hmm. had to get her hands, like, she still had to be tortured. She still had to be, like, and, like, go through this. Like, you said it was a seven-month trial. Yes. Just horrible. Horrible, horrible. Um, he claimed to never have had sex with her, um, that he had never been alone with her in her house. He claimed that he was at the house to watch over and safeguard her honor. Um, he also claimed that she had written erotic letters to many men, um, even though she couldn't write, and that he slept, well, she slept repeatedly with five different men who he named. He said that she had had incest with her father, who once sold her for a loaf of bread. He referred to her and her dead mother, and then aunts and sisters, as whores who catered to a continual stream of men, so basically calling them all pretty much prostitutes and then said that he refused to marry her because she was a whore and her house was a bordello. Just complete lies. He also brought in a parade of like six witnesses who claimed she was a nude, a nude model for male artists, which we know wasn't allowed at that time, and that her father sold her to men. The judge also called out all of these witnesses multiple times and accused them of lying. And then his primary witness was that woman who lived upstairs who claimed that Artemisia was openly seductive and that, well, this part doesn't make sense because she claimed Artemisia was openly seductive, but then she also claimed that he was obsessed with Artemisia 
and tormented me when I could not come and talk to her. So she kind of like verified him at the same time, of like, but that was like his primary witness of the case, which obviously didn't help at all. In order to like refute these claims, the Gentowski family had a lot of people come forward and speak about how they were chaste, they had a good reputation, upstanding morals, and were like a good family in the community. And uh, confident of both of the men who were involved in the rape, um, talked about how that man had ranted repeatedly about being sexually rejected and how he was helping Augustino Tossi plan his visits. So he was kind of the nail in the coffin of being like, no, he talked about this a lot. Like, he planned on raping her. So at the end of it all, he was sentenced to five years exile from Rome under the threat of the gallows. The last pages of the transcript from the court are missing, which kind of makes sense because it's been like a really long time since that court case actually yeah. happened. But it prevents us from knowing exactly if it was carried out or not. It's kind of believed that even though this sentence happened, that he probably only spent a few years in jail and then was dismissed and not ever exiled or like actually convicted for his crimes. So he kind of got off easy, but it was proved that she was like innocent. So in a way, like her honor was restored. But a month after the trial, her father arranged for her to marry a man who was like a friend of one of the witnesses. So it kind of like was a quiet, quick marriage because she still wasn't a virgin. So it was still wouldn't have been like that easy to secure a marriage for her at that time, which is just horrible. And shortly afterward, they moved to Florence just to kind of escape the whole court trial. And they spent six years there. So that was a lot. Yeah, but that was kind of yeah. like the whole court case. And a lot of, um, a lot of people knew her from that um, because it was like a widely publicized court trial. And it's crazy that we know so much about it even now. So that shows like how much it was talked about. I mean, you hope that like she was known for it, meaning like everyone like, I don't know. I don't want to say like you hope everyone felt bad for her because like you don't hope that, you know. It would have just been better for her just to have, like, not had to be reminded or, like, known as that. Exactly. Yeah. I'd like to carry that with you for the rest of your life. It makes me so sad. Like, not only that she had to deal with that, but, like, he didn't even get a lot of, like, repercussions for it. And then she probably, her hands, they don't really mention it a lot, but, like, they were injured. So she probably dealt with, like problems from that for the rest of her life or like and it's like too crazy too because you know he was able just to move probably to a different city and like start over you know mm -hmm. yeah exactly how much did all of that follow him wherever he went like i i doubt i doubt that much yeah probably not that much we're gonna take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists i want to just like shout out this girl from tiktok that i actually found Oh, cool. Yeah, but she also is on Instagram. I'll have to tag her, too. She is a live painter, so she does it on the spot for mainly, like, weddings and events. Oh, cool. And her work is stunning. So her username is I am not Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E, and she does, like, live paintings at, like I said, weddings and events, 
of like the couple and their guests. And it's amazing like how quickly she does this. Like I can't even imagine. So she'll either like start at the beginning of the ceremony or the reception, and then by the end of the wedding, she usually has it completed. Oh my gosh, I'm like scrolling through her Instagram right now. Like this is beautiful. And like what a unique idea. Her work is stunning. And I think especially like since we talked about a painter today, I wanted to shout out a painter. But yeah, she works with watercolor and I think acrylic, maybe oil, but I don't think that one's as often. And then yeah, like her TikToks are cool if you have a TikTok or her Instagram is awesome. It's mm -hmm. on there too. And I think she even has a YouTube channel, but I haven't checked that out. Now, I, now I'm like, why didn't I have someone to live paint my ceremony? <laughs> I know, right? At my wedding. Man. Like, I needed this. <laughs> I know. Apparently, like, she does do paintings from, like, past things if you, like, send her a bunch of photos. Yeah. But she's so booked out right now that she hasn't been able to do anything but live. Yeah. She's been, like, very, very popular. She ba she's based in Atlanta, Georgia, but she travels everywhere. Yeah, I just think she's so talented. I can't even imagine trying to do a whole painting in one evening. Like the pressure. <laughs> Plus, they're so well done. And even like the mathematics, like she'll do the inside of these venues and it looks like perfectly to yeah. scale. Just thought that would be a good little thing to shout out this week for her. I love every time she posts, I like watch because I'm just like, whoa, how cool. Well, I am going to follow her right now. All of, everyone should. Everyone listening should. And if you can Beautiful. afford it <laughs> and have your wedding like planned two years in advance, hire her. Yeah, I'm sure she's very expensive, but yes. if you can afford that. And like do very that. far out. She was like, I'm booking weddings in 2022. And I'm like, whoa. All right, now back to the show. Luckily, like she rose above it for sure. Um, she went on to like have a pretty significant career within her lifetime, which is really amazing, especially for a female artist at that time. Um, she had five children, but only one of them survived into adulthood. So kind of going back to that mortality rate of children. Um, her daughter was believed to be a painter, the one who survived into adulthood, trained by her mom. But nothing's known of her work. We don't really have any records huh. of that. But it's kind of cool she went to go on to train yeah. her own daughter. Um, as I mentioned before, she was the first woman accepted into the Academy of Arts of Drawing. She was really well known for, like, how many famous people she knew, too. Like, she knew a lot of really good, respected artists. And even had written with Galileo. Oh, yeah, which they think inspired some of her later art that was a little bit more science-based. So they had, like, some acquaintance, like, back and forth in letter writing, which was really cool. Um, she was well-known by a lot of grand duchesses and grand dukes, and they collected her art. During her time in Florence, she also learned to read and write, which was really good, and was able to kind of use that to help influence her art. Um, they also said she was really well-known for, like, making mythological figures and biblical figures look more contemporary. So she dressed a lot of like the people in her painting in more modern attire at that time period and made it like a little bit more important. In 1615, Michelangelo's grand nephew at that time was trying to do uh, like a celebration of Michelangelo. Um, 
because Michelangelo was like famous in his lifetime as well as after his death. Very, yeah. very notorious. So he was trying to do the celebration of him and actually commissioned a bunch of artists to contribute to it. And Artemisia was one of those that he asked. And she was actually like very, very pregnant <laughs> at the time. But she presented a painting and it was the form of a nude young woman holding a compass, which they think was inspired a little bit by um, Galileo. And it was called like the Allegory of Inclination. She actually was paid three times more than any other artist participating in the series. Wow. Which is so rare. I was actually shocked when I read that, the fact that she got paid more than any other artist, when I think she was probably the only female that contributed. Huh. So that's, like, really cool. <laughs> so, like, some justice is served. Yeah. But it goes to show, like, how well-known she was and, like, how prominent her art career was. Another kind of, like, fun fact about her that was, like, very rare during that time period is she actually had a passionate affair Oh, with, like, a Florentine nobleman. And what's even funnier about it is that um, her husband knew, and he would write correspondence to the guy on the back of her love letters. So she's, like, writing this passionate love letter, and then her husband on the back is like, hey, how you doing? Like, just, like, so funny. So it's more of like, he's just like aware this is happening, but it's like, you know, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. They said that he probably was fine with it because the guy would like give them a lot of money and would like help Mm. out the family a lot. And he was a very prominent man in society. So like going against him wouldn't really have done any good. However, they ended up having to move because of the rumors, um, because it spread to the Florentine court. And so they were just like, okay, like we'll leave. So she had a lot of rumors about her um, later in her life as well. So they went to Rome, back to Rome, and her career actually took off and eased money problems for the entire family. So she was kind of the main source of income. And I don't know, it never says really what his career was, but it definitely mentions that she was like the cause of it, not them not being poor. And then her husband actually disappears from documentation around this time. So it's kind of believed that they separated. Um, Divorce wasn't really considered legal, but it's kind of believed that, like, he kind of left and they, like, went their separate ways. (laughs) But she never went on to, like, marry anyone else or anything, but nothing else has heard of him. Yeah, so that's kind of a different thing, too, about her. Part of, like, some problems that she faced were the fact that, like, she was trained in easel paintings. And this was common in that time. But it made it so that she wasn't able to get, like, large-scale commissions. So where a lot of other artists were able to paint, like, murals or, like, ceilings or anything else, like, women usually weren't. And it was under the, like, idea that women painters did not have the energy to carry out the large-scale paintings. But she actually did really well with, like, her easel paintings, especially in, like, high society. So it worked out for her, but it was, like, one of those barriers that she didn't get a lot of, like, the more prominent art pieces that paid a lot better because of the fact that she was a female. And also probably, like, those are the artworks because it's, like, the murals are, like, what, like, done in the walls or the ceilings of the churches yes and like the government buildings and everything 
So those were like the better paying jobs. So she didn't quite get those, which is really sad because it would have been cool to see what she would have done with it. I think that's kind of the saddest part. Um, she actually had a lot of professional relationships with artists in Rome as well and even influenced a lot of their styles. Um, a lot of them credited her for helping them learn like coloring and like lighting and other things and talking about how she was able to influence them, which is really cool. She went to Venice for a while as well. She was like touring all around Europe, went to Venice as well. And they believe they went here, went here because a lot of the people there were more wealthy. So she'd be able to get more money, <laughs> which can't blame her. And then also went to Naples and had a couple of trips to England. She traveled a lot, was pretty well known for everything. Um, they believe that she was invited to Naples by the, a duke there who was collecting her art, which is like a really big deal as well. Well, I think like what's so crazy is just like just the fact that like, like how famous she was at the time, you know, but, but that history maybe doesn't remember her. Cause it's like, I feel like the fact that it's like with, um, like that Michelangelo tribute or whatever, that she was paid three times more. Like that just shows that like in comparison to all the other artists, like the people at the time were like, like that's who they wanted to pay for. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like she was that good. She was that like noble, like, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, I think it's like crazy that it's like, you can even be so famous then, but it's like, yeah, like it really didn't carry very mm -hmm. far after her death. Like I can talk about it a little later, but like she wasn't mentioned for quite a long time in history, which is shocking when like, yeah, she was very well known, very prominent during her time period. Mm -hmm. And especially when it's like there's so many painters who like attributed her to like teaching her. I mean, teaching yes. them. And too. like prominent male artists that were like, oh, yeah, she was mm -hmm. way better at coloring than me. Like she taught me how to do this. Yeah. Wow. Um, so she went on to like work on a lot of her art that's really well known. Um, for a time period, she joined her father in London and was a court painter, which I don't know exactly what that means, but she ended up getting to decorate a ceiling at that time with her father. So her father and daughter were able to work together, um, which is really cool as well, because he was a lot older at that time. So he probably needed the help. Um, her father died shortly after, and then we don't know a lot about anything that happened to her after that. They think she went back to Naples for a time period and was pretty active up until her death in the arts, but they don't really have any like works to attribute to her during that time period. And, and then the last letter they have from her is like 1650. So they think that probably a plague or something that blew through around that time killed her, but they're not exactly sure. So they're just not entirely sure exactly when she died, but a plague came through in like 1656. So they think that that's probably around when it happened. Yeah. So some cool things is that an Italian critic of the arts in 1916 described her as the only woman in Italy who ever knew anything about painting, coloring, drawing, and other fundamentals, which I think is a very broad statement to make. <laughs> and it's probably not entirely true, but it goes to show how like her fame surpassed even her gender in a way at that time period that like people did attribute her as 
knowing what she was doing. And kind of more about her artwork, um, she painted a lot of women from myths, allegories in the Bible, which included a lot of like victims, suicide, warriors. This is one of like her most famous paintings. It's called Judith Slaying Holofernes. Wow. Which I believe is from the Bible. And one of the cool things about this is that just the comparison of it to um, art done by men at that time period of the same subject. Let me see if I can show you. So this is one done by a man. <laughs> uh, to kind of describe it, in Artemisia's painting, the women are like very actively, like, I guess I should describe it. It's she's beheading a man, like, and it's from the Bible. It's a biblical story of a female who goes in and seduces a man and then chops off his head in order to save her people. And a lot of men previously before her painted it as these women, like, delicately, like, here's another one, <laughs> like, holding back, like, looking disgusted at what they were doing with just, like, a little bit of blood coming out of his neck. Whereas Artemisia's is, like, these women are like pinning this guy down, like actively beheading him. And then there's way more blood than any of the men. <laughs> well, something too that I noticed, it's like, it looks like her painting very much shows like the women, like holding, like you said, like holding him down, but like overpowering him when like the other paintings are more like they snuck up on him and they're like, still like, Oh no, like this is scary. You know what I mean? Of like him, like, he can't even see them so I think it's like cool that contrast of like she's like no these these women overpowered him and and cut off his head exactly so. and it's not like a beheading would look how any of these men portrayed it where a girl's like ah, I yeah. don't really know how to do this like obviously if she went into the camp with the intent yeah. to behead him that was kind of her goal <laughs> like that was the idea yes here. so I also love, like, I mentioned it, but, like, how much blood is involved as well. And um, because compared to a lot of the men's paintings, there's not a lot. And also, she depicted him with, like, his eyes, like, wide opened, which I think is really important as well. So that's kind of a cool thing. I love looking at her art in comparison to, like, males portrayals of the same things during that time period <laughs> because it just shows like what she was doing something that they've written about her art is that she featured women as protagonists or like equal to men within her arts which is definitely seen so they lacked a lot of like the stereotypical feminine traits of like sensitivity timidness weakness but were like very courageous powerful like the main heroes of the story um, it's even been said that like no one would have imagined that it was the work of a woman, <laughs> which is so funny to me. Um, cause they didn't believe that like the bold and certain... they're like, there's no way a woman would have yeah painted this much blood or been able to do this. And they're like, the brushwork was bold and certain, and there was no sign of timidness. So they just like didn't Dang. believe that a female could have painted like that. Well, and I love it too, though, because like with that, like even going back to the comparisons of the beheading pictures, it's like, no, one is definitely more timid and it is the one painted by yes, the men. Yes, like, exactly. <laughs> like there is nothing timid about her, yeah, painting of those two women beheading. 
a man. So another um, one that I really love is actually one of the earliest works we have from her that they believe was painted around the time she was 17. And it's Susanna and the Elders. So it's another story from the Bible where a woman was raped by two older men. And in comparison, here's a picture from a male who painted the same thing. First off, you, you're very correct. Of I don't think they know how the female body works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a little bit less realistic. And also... I feel like boobs don't really like that's not how boobs are yeah <laughs> just that's all that's just not what boobs look like she has like muscles in places that like women don't usually which means he probably was painting more from like a male perspective um it's a beautiful painting but in the middle is the female so um Susanna and then these men are like around her and her face looks like a little scared but like not really and she's kind of like caressing Mm -hmm. them sort of a little bit too and this is supposed to depict a rape uh which this doesn't look like what you would imagine a rape to be so kind of funny and then this is her rendition of it so the one on the right is her like finished painting of this it's two men like leering over the side of a ledge and then this young girl um who's naked like kind of moving away from them like grimacing with her head turned and her hands outstretched like get away kind of they actually have x-rayed this painting in later years and found that underneath was a much more gruesome look um and that's the one on the left it's the female screaming yeah um she has a knife she's like fighting against them they're like pulling her hair and her the look on her face is just like absolute terror and that is what she originally painted and it's believed that like she had to paint over it due to like it being too terrible well yeah because like i was thinking like that's so i mean obviously that one on the left is so much more accurate of yes and especially too of like accurate of like what she personally experienced you know Yes. So it was actually this painting was finished around the same time that the trial was taking place. Mm. So it would have been a lot of like her personal feelings. And the fact that if you if you recall like her testimony during her rape trial, how she pulled the knife. Yeah. And then she depicted this female with a knife in her hand originally. Like it definitely shows how much she was painting from like personal experience Mm -hmm. and then how she was like forced to make it a little bit less awful yeah in order for it to like be considered appropriate Um, we actually know that I should shout out the artist it's Kathleen Gilgey I think is how you say her name um she is the one who like did an underpainting of the x-ray that was found in an exhibit in 1998 so wow it's because of her that we actually know that that was there and just obviously very sad um yeah but kind of cool that we're able to see like how she originally would have depicted that scene and how much that kind of calls Mm -hmm. attention to the story that was happening and like her own personal experience of like unwanted attention from older men and all of that Mm -hmm. as well so another painting i wanted to bring up was actually a self-portrait she did that was considered extremely controversial which is funny because if you look at it there's no huh. reason that this should be controversial. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's her painting. 
and she's dressed, I'd say, fairly modestly. But the reason it was considered controversial was because she showed herself as a muse and as a professional artist, which I love because it ties into our whole meaning of our of our podcast. Um, but she painted herself as a symbolic embodiment of the arts themselves, which was a very bold statement to make. And she's actually painting a self-portrait of herself in this self-portrait. So very cool. Um, but it was extremely controversial because she basically like considered herself within the painting as a symbolic epitome of the arts, basically. So very, very cool, um, especially like recalling that men were com um, considered to be like gods of creation or whatever within the arts. And then she makes herself like the. She's like, no, I'm I'm the god of creation here. I am. I am of equal. Yes, exactly. So it was like it's lesser known than a lot of her other paintings, but I love it just because it shows like how she regarded herself as a female within the arts and how yeah. she depicted females within all of her paintings. Like they were active participants in their stories. They were the heroes. They were mm -hmm. the ones creating action and having things happen. They weren't just like passive people, like letting things happen to them. Like they were active and strong and powerful, which we know women are. So it was very accurate. It's like, and yeah, I loved it how like she was portraying them as like they were the protagonists in their story. Like, which they were the protagonists. Like, they were the ones, like, chopping off men's heads. Or they were the ones who had the bad things happen to them. But it's crazy how, like, she was actually the only one who, like, depicted them as, as like, the main characters in their own stories. Yes. Not just, like, the side characters. Yeah, and it's crazy that, like, in all of these, the women were the active roles in the Bible stories to begin with. Like... The yeah. women were the ones that were, like, noted for this. She's also done paintings of, like, Esther and, like, other biblical stories of oh, strong yeah. women. And, yeah, like, she painted it how it really probably was. And yet uh, so many other people weren't able to do that. So I think that's one of the, like, major contributions to art that she made. Mm -hmm. um, and her art is selling, like, pretty, like, for moderately well. Like, I would say it's doing pretty well comparatively her artwork has ranged from like a thousand dollars being sold which is like nothing um but up to five million so that's okay. quite a bit Com like to compare michelangelo who we know is like famous his entire life and beyond um his stuff sells for around seven million as a starting price so she's like not too far behind obviously that's her max whereas that's his like starting but still, like, that's not too bad. So it kind of goes to show that. And then, as we mentioned before, like, she wasn't brought up very often. I think an article that I sent you, and actually I've mentioned before, like, why are there no great women artists? I'll have to talk about that more sometime. That article actually drew more attention to Artemisia than had been given before. It named her and mentioned that she was famous throughout her life. And because of that, people were oh, yeah, we should draw more attention to her, and they did. So she's actually gained a lot of fame since then that wasn't given before because she was forgotten mm. for quite a period of time. 
And because of that, they actually think there's quite a bit of art out there that might be hers that we don't necessarily know if it is or her, hers or not. And that's why mm. we don't have as much of her artwork as a lot of others because of that time period of like after her death, she was kind of forgotten for quite a bit of time before. So it like her like paintings weren't as like maybe protected or cherished and as much as they should have been. So we're lucky that we have the ones that we do have. Um, but yeah, like we probably, she probably painted a lot more than we have, which is common for most artists, but like it's really sad that it's mainly probably because of her gender that she was pushed aside um, because of everything that she accomplished in her life. She should have been given a lot more attention after her death and she wasn't. So, Well, I think too, it's like interesting of like, I think that's like it shows like why there's like a benefit of having women in the arts too of like just in the fact that like she was able to for one like portray those stories so much more accurately and also as a woman she was so and of course like as a woman who like went through the things that she did Mm -hmm. like the fact that like with like that um, bible story of you know the two men raping her that like it was originally drawn as like that woman screaming with like a Mm -hmm. weapon like fighting that like it, it just shows that it's like no she understood those emotions and those feelings like as a woman and then also I think too like later in her like with the career of those women cutting his head off I feel like that's also another thing she was able to channel of like, no I know what this feels like like I know what it feels like to want to do yes. this so I can so much more accurately paint it yes rather than you know like the timid like here's my little sword i'm gonna just yeah like an arm's length while i look away as if that's even possible like oh no (laughs) yeah it's no i think that that's kind of the power behind her like yes she was very talented Mm -hmm. but i think her personal story brings in a lot of like power into like it like she knows what it's like to be seen as like a helpless female and to like kind of rise above that in her strength and like literally be tortured at the Mm -hmm. hands of the government and still like be able to stand true to her story. And a lot of people have like credited her rape trial as the reason why she did so well in her career, which I think is like completely (laughs) ignorant because regardless of what someone has like gone through, if they're a good artist, they're going to be a good artist. It probably helped get her like fame, which is really sad, but like her art is like, good because of how talented she was and like the context I think it gives is just more powerful but I don't think that's like the only reason so I think it goes to show that like art like people always say life imitates art but I think it's like art imitates life (laughs) more so Mm -hmm. like because of her life experiences she was able to provide more power and context to these stories than other people would have been able to do so and like you said with like Obviously, being a female, she was able to depict these female characters with a lot more accuracy than other people could. Because, like, obviously, like, being a woman, she's like, no, I I know that I can, like, feel things fiercely. And I know that I can, that how I would respond Mm -hmm. in these circumstances. So, yeah. So, she's incredible. Um, A lot of people have actually mentioned nowadays that she probably qualifies as, like, a feminist artist. Oh, yeah. Because of, like, how she depicted things. Even though her art isn't necessarily, like, the feminist art movement that is today, in her time period, it Mm -hmm. was very, 
controversial and like different the way that she was painting these women yeah. and like how she viewed women and like treated the subject of females as a whole. Yeah. Well, and even the fact that she was like painting herself as like the, you know what I mean? Like how she was the muse for herself and like painting herself as like someone who deserved to be painted and like revered. Exactly. Like, I feel like that's such a, like, I know how talented I am and you guys aren't seeing that and that's stupid. So I'm painting myself and I am a virtuoso. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> like she understood. So she's probably one of the earliest feminist artists that there is. And I think that that's really cool as well. Yeah. yeah. But I loved like learning about her. The first time I ever heard about her was college art history, which is like crazy with how many art history books I had read. But she was not included for quite some time I think like the first two artists mm -hmm. that ever made it into art history books as females were Frida Kahlo and Mary Cassatt which are more contemporary so they were more well known but that's like years and years and years after her career so she should have been in there for a lot longer than she was well and I think too that's especially crazy because it's like I, I said this earlier, but just, like, the fact that, like, her contemporaries at the time were, like, willing to credit her of, like, oh, yeah, I learned coloring from her. and Or, like, there were people who were willing to pay her more because they recognized that her work was worth more than maybe others. Yeah. So it's, like, crazy that that, like, that at the time of her life, like, that was, you know, like, everyone, it sounds like everyone understood how good she was and tried to oh, pay respects to that. But it's just crazy that, like that history did not remember that no they didn't I think it also goes to show how important it is to remember artists in their death as well as their life yes and like vice versa obviously like she was very successful in her life and like but it didn't carry over into her death and like how important mm -hmm. it is that we remember people who are part of like all of that after as well and make sure that they're remembered and revered yeah, so that's Artemisia Gentelsky, one of my favorites now. I want that picture of her, of those women chopping off that man's head. Like, I want that picture now. I need to get, like, a copy of that. It's so beautiful. On my vision board. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, beautifully done, too. Like, for such a gruesome beheading, it's, like, really yeah. stunning, too. I'll, I'll post mm -hmm. all of them for sure so that they're all there, including the x-ray image and the comparisons. So, Yeah. That's the story of her and everything that she accomplished and did. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you learned. I know I learned so much about this new artist. Like I said, mm -hmm. now I have like a new painting I want to one day purchase or at least <laughs> have a copy of. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Of course, if you follow us on more than amuse.podcast, mm -hmm. right? on instagram um stani will post the paintings that we discussed mm. that way you get that visual give us a follow so you can check that out yeah definitely so grateful for everyone who's listening and excited to talk about more about all these things yes okay bye, bye. have a good one <laughs>
So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in Bigger Than Ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts, or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.